And so at the last minute before uploading, I'm like, you know what? Let me scrap this. I'm going to put a little section at the end about how it cost me $78 a month. And like, that was an afterthought. I posted it and I thought it was just like, oh man, this is, people are going to hate this. They want finance. Mm -hmm. They don't want Tesla content. And I posted it and it did well. Within a few days, I think that video made 90 grand in ad revenue. R-O-T-N, let me present to you the Rotten Podcast. The Rotten Podcast. How do you want me to say it? Rotten. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys. Hello. What is up? We have Graham Stefan here for the episode 17 of the Rotten Podcast. First off, I just wanted to say you're our first official guest. First guest. Wait, really? Yes. First wow. guest. What an honor. That's so cool. <laughs> it is an honor. But by far, I'm excited to have you here because if you, I guess we should probably get into how we know each other. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I feel like so that, funny. I feel like that's <laughs> a funny place to start. And I would love to start there because yeah. from my perspective, it was so funny because that was the first time I ever learned of you. Tiffany's like, oh my God, Graham Stefan made a video about me. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, who's this guy? making this video yeah. about my girl like let me let me see what this is about um in the video was titled millionaire reacts what i spend in a month as a homeowner in la yeah and from my perspective video. i was like wait i need to I need to watch this to make sure like everything's good you know yeah. someone like out there disrespecting my girl <laughs> let me check it out and really quickly after i started watching yeah. i was like i was really impressed with there was no disrespect was in anything yeah, yeah. you said. It was more... I try to be friendly. Yeah, friendly, interjecting your opinion on it, but also understanding it and having a good balance of not like calling someone out and being disrespectful about it. Um, and since that video was made, there was a handful of back and forth ones, one that led to Tiffany saying there was how I actually feel about Graham Stephan, <laughs> addressing my beef with Graham Stephan. That. That we, video, what, yeah. what did we call it? A content loop? Infinite monetization. Yes, loop. that was yeah. such that. a smart yeah. thing. Those videos did well. They did too. so well. We need to start this out. We need to title this, I have beef with Graham Stephan, or that's so funny. So yeah, we met because you started making videos about me, but I had already started watching your videos prior to that because cool. you had made videos about my friends and <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, like this guy's really saving every single cent and like doing such a great job saving his money. And I'm like, I feel like I'm like splurging on things. And I always thought I was really good with my money until I started watching your videos. And I think you've made me so much more financially literate, which I really appreciate. And I just want to know, once you become friends with someone on YouTube like me, mm -hmm. are you nicer or meaner? Do you feel like? Gosh, I think I have to be a little bit nicer, right? Because yeah. once you get to know somebody, it's not like you could just... Because then you know the nuances and you can't just pretend you fake it online. Probably a little bit nicer. Yes. 10%. And I want to ask you, how many podcasts are you filming this week? Oh, gosh, too many. Uh, we overload, unfortunately. Yeah. Anytime we travel, I'm like, we got to fill like every 
hour with a podcast. And we usually go in, like this one, I think it was like five podcasts in Jeez. three days. Doesn't sound like a lot because you're thinking, oh, you just go and show up and talk for an hour or two. But everybody runs late. Uh, setup mm -hmm. takes longer than you expect. Then afterwards, you can't just say, all right, bye. But then Which, also when you're around so many other people, it's like my schedule revolves around five other people. Right. So if one person's like, hey, I'm 30 minutes behind, then everyone else gets pushed. Yeah. And then if someone's like, hey, I, I can't do that time anymore. Can we do this time? I, I got to say yes. I mean, yeah. so it's just tough. Well, I'm I want to say <clears throat> thank you to waking up to 8.30 a.m. to oh, come you're, here. You're welcome. I'm very glad we're doing this. For me, this is a dream to cool. be able to film at 9 a.m. and get Tiffany really? out of bed. She's, I <laughs> she, she has a very different schedule. Yeah, She'll go to bed at 5, 4 a.m. No way. Wake up at oh, like, what, 11, 12? Yeah. What time and do I, you go to yeah. bed? Usually 11 to 12. Okay, that's, like, Usually. that's pretty good. Yeah. And that's then I'm up around good. 7, 7.30 usually. And for people who don't know, maybe that are tuning in, you know, on our channel, would love to kind of give, hear you talk a little bit about your story and who you are. And you have what, four YouTube channels or five? Was right five now. down to three. Okay. Oh, it's down to three. Down to I'm sad that you don't have this to family going on anymore. I posted on it the other day. I did. I watched yeah, it. You I actually watched it? watched it? I watched every single, are you serious? yes. <laughs> I, I, so I, we need to um, come visit you in Vegas yeah. if we're invited. Please. Um, Totally fine or not after yeah, we Yeah, no, you're invited. You. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Graham has this like amazing 50000 maybe $100,000 aquarium Something now. Like yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Well, I saw in your, uh, when I was reading up on your story, you worked at a um, an aquarium, right? I did. That was like one of your first jobs, first job. which led to you, what, like taking extra pictures of the inventory, which helped you with marketing. Was that what really got you into starting this journey on finance i would say so i think once i started working i, I hated school at that point yeah. because i just didn't get the point of like staying in class i just wanted to work and so for me that was a shift where i was just like i just want to make money i want to work i want to do what i want to do and that was at the time taking pictures of fish and coral who would have thought it would have led to <laughs> yeah but that just shifted my mindset because i didn't want to go to school anymore i just it's all i thought about was just like what time is this over yeah and how early can i leave to go and work and that was it yeah. So I just kept doing that. Just having that entrepreneurial drive. So I think the article was saying at the time it said you did 120 million in residential commercial sales or residential, residential. real estate yeah. sales. So for people who don't know, you're very successful in real estate and you're a content creator with three channels. So you must have a, a pretty good routine or like what is your output like on content in general uh for content it's non-stop unfortunately it's it's all i it's like it's all i think about at this point is is it's like when i'm in the car i'm just thinking like video ideas and i'm taking notes on my phone if i hear something mm. or i'm listening to a podcast like that's a great idea mm -hmm. just drop them down uh for content creation it's usually six days a week I don't know, eight to 10 hours a day. But a lot of that Six is just uploads or what, like how oh, much are you actually oh posting as well? Oh, a video a day between okay. three channels. So the, it, gotcha. But it's not as crazy as you would think. Like the main channel is three videos a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Like those are the ones that yeah. take 90% of, uh, yeah. percent of the time. Podcast is one video a week on Sunday. So those we could usually batch together. We'll film them all within a few days. And then that's like two months of content. Perfect. And then the second Wait, you channel. you film multiple podcasts in one day? Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Matt and I tried that 
And I was so tired by the second yeah. podcast episode. It was so bad that I was like, I don't even think we should upload so, it. It's <laughs> funny. Jack told me that uh, he felt like we should never schedule more than two okay. or three maximum in a day mm-hmm. because we noticed in New York, I think we had four or five in a day. And by the fifth one, he said, like, our energy really sucked. We were really tired. Mm-hmm. We, we were not good conversationalists and it suffered. So I agree with him. So I think usually like two to three. I mean, that's pretty but. impressive. That's yeah. pretty impressive. I feel like if we got up and filmed now, did another one, and then filmed another one later, we would be able to. No. But my diaphragm would get so tired. Yeah. I realize I actually physically get tired of talking. Me too. After an hour. Me too. So, but usually with that, uh, we don't always batch them like mm-hmm. that. Sometimes it'll be like one in like three weeks, and then we'll have like one busy day where we have like three. So. It's a bit hit or miss. Um, and then the second channel is just like, I got to be in a good mood to do a reaction video. Mm-hmm. Right. And those usually I enjoy. Sometimes I just go, like, oh man, I don't feel like doing this, but I got to be all like peppy and, you know, angry at a video <laughs> and I just don't feel like it, but I'll just do it. Are they the easiest for you to film or the harder ones Easy- to film? Easiest. Easiest? Usually it, it, it takes me maybe an hour to get in the mood to be like, all right, I got to do this. I feel like yeah. that's people's favorites to watch from you, at least from the people that I surround myself with. Like we always talk about your reaction videos and that's our favorite type of content from you. Yeah. So honestly, great I'm monetization. Sure it because a lot of his content as well that when I was looking into it, you know, a lot of financial tips, how to get your credit score mm-hmm. up. Um, I think what your one of your most popular videos was the $78 Tesla. a month Tesla. Yeah. yeah, that was a great video. And that was something I didn't even plan on making to begin with. I figured, why not? I may as well try it. And then I filmed the whole video. I'm like, this sucks because my audience is not going to like it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no finance, anything in this mm. video. It's just me buying a car. Like, that's not fun. And so at the last minute before uploading, I'm like, you know what? Let me scrap this. I'm going to put a little section at the end about how it cost me $78 a month. And like that was an afterthought because I wasn't happy with the video. And I posted it and I thought it was just like, oh man, this is, people are going to hate this. They want finance. Mm-hmm. They don't want Tesla content. And I posted it and it did well, like right off the bat. And I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And then it just kept doing well. Just and then kept. it kept getting pushed. Um, and I think within like three days, and I never really had a video take off like that before. Yeah. And within a few days, like I, I talked to someone random they're like, dude, I just saw your video on YouTube about the $78 test. I'm like, you saw that video? He's like, yeah, it came up recommended. I didn't even <laughs> know you had a YouTube channel. And that's when you know, like, a video gets pushed. Like, I didn't know you had a channel, but I saw that video. And fun story about that video, but I think that video made 90 grand in ad oh, revenue. Jesus. It was really, like, so, like, and this yeah, is something I wanted to part, talk about yeah. as well because. I, I saw the video you made and it made me feel real bad about myself. <laughs> no, but you are very open with your finances, which is refreshing. And that's something Tiffany and I have talked about a lot because a lot of people shy away from speaking about it. It's an uncomfortable subject. But one of your videos was how much you make a day at with 2.5 million subscribers. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being averaging from four to 5,000. There was a day that was like 11,000. Mm-hmm. But overall, $1.9 million dollars just in ad revenue. Yeah, That's incredible. I, I have a question though. What it, is it now with your four plus million down. subscribers? Is it oh. down? It's down, wow. yeah. So, and I kind of knew this going in. 2020 through 2022 was like an anomaly because so many people were at home. So many people were watching finance content. Like that was a one-off yeah. event where like stock 
interest and investing interest had never been higher and everyone was at home and it was very accessible. Mm. Um, oh, that's so true. That's, that's perfect the Robin for your Hood content. era. The oh, Robin yeah. Hood era, the Reddit meme NFTs, stock yes. era. Crypto. There, there was a time where I could post with Robin Hood in the title and it would get like 400,000 views just by mentioning Robin Hood just did this. It was like the lowest hanging fruit, but people are like, what did Robin Hood just do? Mm -hmm. uh, so now we've normalized back from what I've seen to 2018 levels in terms of investor interest. Mm. You could look even at uh, like when you look at stock trading platforms or even when you look at like uh, Coinbase is a good yeah. example, like their user base has stagnated a lot and has gone back to where it was like four years ago. And a mm. lot of companies have gone back to where they were pre-pandemic uh, and, then, and then some. So the way I see it is my content has like obviously shifted with that. has gone back to kind of where it was like 2019, which is still good. Yeah, but it's mm -hmm. not like I can't expect this pandemic-related like surge of views. I think that caught a lot of people by <laughs> surprise, where a lot of yeah. people are um, looking at their portfolios and everyone's you know, scared to open their Robin Hoods right now. Yeah, I don't look at my Robin Hood really as much <laughs> as I should. I need to be. Yeah, but where I was going also with the question is when you are open about your finances and you know you have these titles that say millionaire reacts. Do you get a negative? Is there any negativity from that? By no, being so open? Really none. Uh, but I think the people that watch are used to it already, so yeah. they kind of get right. it. Um, no negative pushback, but I am starting to get tired of it personally. Really? There's only so many times I could say it. And so now I feel like like doing the income breakdowns, I really enjoyed that in the beginning because no one was doing that. Yeah. But now when it's like very similar, I'm just essentially remaking the same video a year ago and just like changing up the numbers a little bit and everyone else is doing it. It feels less special. Yeah. And there's less I could contribute. Like in the beginning, there's so much that I could say because like, no, it was like this hush hush sort of thing. So but now it's like when everyone's doing it, I got to think, well, how do you differentiate yourself at this point? But I also think that's that was your goal. Your goal was to lead the charge in having people be financially open. And you've started that trend on YouTube, it feels like. And so even though you're tired of it, yeah. you started this, like you started Created the movement. Yeah, you started <laughs> this monster where people are, have become way more open with talking about how much money they made. Like I even made a video because you pushed me to do oh, it cool. in a video. And I think people really liked it. I think I yes. looked at your comments and everyone was like, this is so awesome, congrats. And they're really happy for you. You were the one that yeah. actually called me out and said you should make this video. Oh, cool. Yeah. There you go. And, well, I'm glad. Yes, infinite monetization yeah. loop. So now you got to see like what's beyond that. Like how could you... Take that to the next level. I don't know what that is yet. So what are your plans? Because I know you have bankroll coffee. Mm -hmm. um, are you sticking to that? Are you are you trying to find your way out of YouTube? Are you feeling burnt out? Because it sounds like you're saying you don't love like the type of content you make anymore when it comes to like opening up about your Some, finances. Yeah. Oh, those. Yeah. Yeah. Income breakdowns. I've, I've gotten sick of those for like three okay. years. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, I'm still going to do it because people enjoy them. And so at the end of the day, like when I'm making videos, it's really for the viewer, mm -hmm. less for myself. So I'm like, if they want want it, I'll do it. But yeah, um, definitely burnt out on that. But uh, I don't know. I think uh, right now I'm really focusing more on the podcast. I see a huge potential in long form and then mm -hmm. like clipping that up and doing short form with that. So I think the combo of like an hour and a half long video <laughs> with a 60 second clip, I yeah. think there's huge potential. And that's how we've been thinking about the podcast as well and why we wanted to... St um, really start it and focus on it because the long form content is so valuable to build an audience that's going to tune in and then all the content you can syndicate on all these other platforms. It's just so valuable. Yeah, yeah. I think we're starting, we're starting to learn the importance of 
making sure that we put all the content on Instagram. It's like, it's so much content because not only do I have my own personal brand, it's like all the content on top of that for the podcast. And so I can't imagine how you handle all of that, but I guess you do have Alex and um, we have a small Jack. Team. Yeah. yeah. So they take care of a lot of that like nuance, but still on the main channel, second channel, like I'm coordinating a lot of their mm-hmm. shorts on there and making sure they're posting and if they do well and like titles and try to optimize for those. But I think huge potential in that. I also want to say um, there is massive news we haven't talked about. Congratulations on getting engaged. Oh, thank you. Oh, I you thought got you, engaged? Yeah, I thought you guys had big news. I'm like, what's the news? Oh, I mean- <laughs> what is it? You got to tell me. No, I mean, yeah. we also got engaged. Which, Congratulations. Thank yeah. you. Um, but I love Macy and I loved, you know, just grabbing dinner with you and her and Matt and I at Bestia. And I want to know more information about the engagement and how how did you go through the process picking out the ring? Yeah, the ring uh, was easy. She just kept sending me. Oh, that's nice. That's so, so nice. Yeah. So that was simple. Like that was the the easy part. But uh, yeah, the actual engagement, I just recreated our first date on the, uh, what was it on the third year anniversary of our first date. And so I just recreated the whole thing. So your engagement date is the same as your anniversary date? Yeah. That's perfect and lazy. I love it. Yeah. You don't have to remember a million dates. Yeah, exactly. So I think it would be cool every year. I think we pretty much recreated the first date every year. I mean, it's it's simple. It's like grabbing sushi and going down to the Santa Monica Pier. Like, it's simple. We talked about doing... Recreating uh, our recreating date. Recreating our date. Yeah. yeah. We didn't though. No, we didn't. I think they actually closed the restaurant that we originally went to when we first met. So yeah. no rec- recreation happening. I also wanted to ask more yeah. about, you know, now that you and Macy are combining finances when you guys get married, I saw that you guys did a prenup and I've mm-hmm. always been curious about it because we've talked about it. I brought it up on the second date, I believe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because I prepping didn't, it from yeah, a mile away. Yeah. So when it comes to that, I was really upfront, like second date in, because I was like, hey, listen, if this is going to lead somewhere, I'd rather just be like totally upfront, because I'd hate to bring that up like three years into it, like a mile away. And she's like, well, what did I do? I yeah. wanted to make it very clear, like, hey, first of all, if this is not going to work, now you know. And that that way you also know it's like, it's not you. This is something that's really important to me. And she was, had no problem with it. So it was, it was pretty seamless, I would say. Yeah. Um, date two, that's pretty early. That That's, you have a, Good Did you know by vision. date two that she was it for you? I think so. Um, Wait, that's so but cute. For me too, I just wanted to be as upfront as possible because I, I I liked her enough to want to make sure that there were like no big deal breakers or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I was that's like, smart. okay, I'll like I'll tell you everything, and then if anything doesn't work, just like it's better to know now, and then we can move on. Like if anything is going to be an issue, like there there it is, and uh, so that worked in in I think both of our favors. So do you guys have a date set for? your wedding yeah, it'll be our fifth year anniversary no way yeah. wait, i love this that's actually yeah, so, so we, smart so we keep it all like on the same day so is it gonna be in la vegas or where's her family from uh ventura ventura yeah oh, so nice. like an hour away so yeah. it'll probably be around there is that where um the wine winery area is close how'd uh, you guys meet again uh, we met through well she actually she sent me a message on instagram oh. responding to a story and just it was, and I didn't think anything of it, to be honest. It was just a funny little thing. And every now and then I'll just scroll Instagram and respond to like messages or just like funny little things. And so I responded to that and we just kept going back and forth and I, I thought it was fun. Just some banter. Yeah. Sliding in the DMs, right. it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Same with us, I guess. Well, yeah. Hinge. hinge. It was different. hinge. Okay. So yeah. next question. I know after the wedding comes babies. 
Have you guys had that conversation? Well, Matt and I are getting married as well, and we're talking about babies. But also, I think you would be great as a family vlogger. And I know you don't like oh. vlogging. <laughs> Gosh, I, I can't. I can't. Is that still a thing? Are family vlogs doing well? I feel like that's uh, like three years ago. I feel like family vlogs do well when you're like a new family but also i think macy like and you just have like such a cool relationship and i feel like a lot of us don't get to know her as much and it would be like such a cool way to get to know her more but that's just me being like selfish and wanting Gosh, to know more about you guys i would say probably not i would get obsessive over it like, really yeah because i i just i can't post a video and not care about its performance yeah and i don't want to be like filming the whole thing and like you know the, the baby throws up and i'm like the video is a <laughs> nine out of ten this sucks and then you're low engagement your yeah, yeah yeah the like ratio is awful only 400 comments this is not acceptable <laughs> baby <laughs> Stefan, you gotta step yeah. it up <laughs> i don't want to have to think about like that sort of or doing thumbnails just yeah. imagine this like thumbnails. Yeah. i I Maybe an unhealthy it. dynamic. I hate it. It's like it, the, a lot of the vlogging stuff. Mm -hmm. I just like half the time, even when I vlog for myself, I just don't feel like it at all. It just takes me out of the moment. I just don't want to have to think about like you don't you want know. a camera in your face twenty four seven. No, I hate it. Yeah, it's probably hard for you because you also film content eight hours a day without the vlogging stuff, and that's just pure you sitting down content. So having to film more content on top of that, I just couldn't imagine doing that. Yeah, something would have to give. Um, even now, I'm looking to scale back a little bit. So, really? like, yeah. What's going so, first? Uh, it's probably the main channel I want to go down to. And I've been saying this for three years. <laughs> so, like, this is three or four years in the making. Actually, it was 2019 where I told myself I was going to give myself to April of 2020 and then go down to two videos a week from three. But then the pandemic happened. And the happened. pandemic happened. And I went from like three videos to like three and a half, four videos a week. <laughs> That was an exciting time for like for finance because everything was like changing. Yeah. Um, but now I feel like, you know, barring another like huge event, I want to go like my initial goal was to go down to two videos a week, mm -hmm. um, January 1st of this year. But then I thought, well, I may as well try to continue that through April. So the goal is now to continue through April. Um, oh, that's too much. Did you double no, down on content here. when inflation really started to kick in and we all started to feel the effects of the economy. Do people lean to you for that type of content? Um, sometimes, yeah. I really doubled down on content, though, from March of 2020 through really now. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw this as like a, a one-off time where it's like finance is probably never going to be as exciting as it is like right now. And I just happened to be in a spot on YouTube where mm -hmm. it's like people were looking for finance content. And... Um, I just saw that as like a, like a, the window was open, the opportunity mm -hmm. was there. I'd be an idiot not to uh, not to go for it and really just give it my all. So, what made you so interested in finance? Because I know a little bit about your back history because we talked about it on your pod, but I don't think our viewers know much about your history and what made you want to be not just frugal but smart with your money. Yeah, I think I've always just kind of been like that, even as a kid. Um, grandpa had a coin collection and I was really oh, cool. yeah he would show me these like just pre you know world war ii coins and like you know the I forget what it was there was like a like a nickel penny that was like silver instead of uh the usual copper and I was so into it and I started looking at pennies and he showed me this one it was a 1909 s vdb penny it's like a really really rare penny it's the famous like the thousand dollar penny oh and you don't find them in circulation but yeah. i thought as a kid like five years old like i'm gonna look through all the pennies and find a 1909 sv did and you like, ever no oh god <laughs> like finding that is a needle in the haystack okay. like there are, i don't know how many thousands are in existence but um 
but yeah, but I just was always into it. Um, anytime I'd get like birthday money, Christmas money, like my grandma would like give me 20 bucks. I'd, I'd put it in an envelope and just save it. Like I would, did not want to spend anything, but, uh, I, th- I think that's just kind of what kicked it off. But I've always just naturally been inclined, I think, towards saving money. It's just, it was always an interest of mine. So you go from having this interest in saving up money to investing in real estate, right? And having success with that. But for a lot of people that are listening, are there practical things people could do? Because I think it's hard for a lot of people to save up a certain amount of money where they can take that and invest it into real estate and build from there. And I know a lot of your content is about that, but Mm -hmm. I'm just curious on your thoughts, how people go from, you know, nothing to something, nothing to something, which is, I think it's really difficult for everyone. Yeah. Especially now with inflation. I think it Mm -hmm. is, but there's so many ways that you could save money um i think living with roommates is one uh la is a perfect example i mean you guys know how expensive rent yeah. could be if you go on craigslist you could find so many rooms for rent for like 600 to a thousand dollars a month in like a decent location like you're not going to be in you know venice beach or you know beverly hills but you'd be in a decent location um and that's that saves half of your rent. I mean, so when people say like, oh, the average rent in L.A. is like $2,800, it doesn't have to be. Um, and I think just being able to do that, I, I personally believe just kind of like sacrifice your 20s. That's always been my okay. philosophy is just like you don't need to do all of these things in your 20s. And I'm sure there's a flip side to that. Like, oh, you're, you're only 21. I don't know. I think you're only 30 once too and 41. So I, th- I think there's <laughs> plenty, plenty of time for you yeah. to do these things. But my thing has just been like you just – sacrifice your 20s work two jobs if you have to find the cheapest ways to live drive the worst car you can to save everything and usually not i don't want to say usually but a lot of the times if you just dedicate those 10 years to just saving as much as you can spending as little as possible you could set yourself up i think for the rest of your life like just imagine you do that for 10 years and you could save enough to buy like a three unit building and a cheap one too i'm talking like Cheap, cheap for LA standards, yeah. but like you know, you, you could still find buildings here, um, not the best area, but still like seven hundred grand. But you got to think like ten years of saving, working two jobs, living below your means, you could save up maybe ten, fifteen percent to put down on a unit like that. Um, and if you buy that correctly, I mean, like that'll pay for your housing costs. And then when you think about that, you living for free, you know, throughout your thirties, saving even more money. Then thirty years from then, that building's paid off. Like that's your retirement right there. If you just did that. That's a very practical, useful implication for saving your money. And I think a lot of people aren't willing to sacrifice whatever it may be. And that's probably where some of the issue lies. You know, people can't get everything they want. But if you were to if you were to tell someone, hey, you can't live in Santa Monica if you have these goals, most people wouldn't be willing to sacrifice that comfort. Yeah. And I think there's some other things, too, like um I think it becomes a lot tougher if you're like working minimum wage, you have student loan debt, you're already working 12 hours a day. Like you're, you're trying to continue your education. Like you don't have any time for that. Um, there's certain circumstances where it's like way tougher, right? but I think it still can be done. Yeah. Saving money and talking about finances is something that I wish everyone was literate in. And it's really annoying that we don't get taught this stuff until our twenties when we're learning it in real life. But it's not taught in college or high school or middle school. 
So it is really impressive when people figure it out at a young age, especially for you when you were like a child looking at pennies and saving pennies and $20 bills. You were the same way though. Yeah. You saved up all your money, bought your own cheerleading outfits in fourth, fifth grade. Yeah. We're always saving. Yeah, but I mean, I grew up in the ghetto, and so I understood how much my family was suffering that I didn't want to add to that by asking for money ever. So I just saved everything that I could. But that's smart. Yeah. But, but that it, it almost feels like that's a natural. And maybe you're just born with it. <laughs> maybe you are because, you know, your sisters, are they as good at saving money as you one are of them is the not circumstance? Yeah. Yeah. One of them is not. But I feel like everyone lives differently. Like, my sisters are older and so they kind of had it where my parents were together when they were growing up but for me my parents ended up divorcing when i was four or five so then we suffered even more after that mm-hmm. so it was just like a different circumstance of how we like grew up some of it could just be you're born that way yeah because they do <laughs> that what was People it the, born that the way. marshmallow <laughs> challenge have you heard that where they give no, like no they give young kids the option do you have one marshmallow now or you could have two later. Ooh. And they they found that the that the kids who go for two later have uh, more patience and uh, are more willing to wait and see the benefit long term than the kids who take one marshmallow now. So I don't know if that's something that's learned. I mean, maybe some kids just just are predispositioned to be like, I'll just get two later than the, than the kids who want. Or they're like, like I don't even like marshmallows, so yeah, I'll just wait. <laughs> yeah, I, I think like- yeah. It seems like a discipline you could develop over time if you were intentional about learning that. But again, it is a natural thing for most people. And we don't really learn any of those things. And I came from I had a similar uh, experience where my family did have money. But then throughout the recession, my dad was a trader um, at the stock market in Chicago, Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And we lost all of our money pretty much. And we're, you know, had to do uh, EBT. And I think I learned a lot through watching their financial hardships as far as what maybe not to do or how I want to set myself up in the future. But there was no information for me to learn that outside of my own personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it, too, can just be like people's brains are wired differently. Like you see some people who like just are naturally like they love taking a ton of risk Mm -hmm. like and just being a daredevil like uh even going skydiving, like so it's something I could, <laughs> I could never do that. Like I just, I can't what if get you, over that. What if we got 10,000 likes? No. How many no likes? <laughs> no. It's the content. Yeah. What, what it, content needs to be it, made to get you to jump off a, a plane? A million. Someone has to give me a million dollars. <laughs> I just, I have no desire to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do it. Probably a million dollars would be the threshold for me. Okay. To like be interested in doing that. But you see some people. <laughs> yeah. Just naturally, their, their risk tolerance is so yeah. higher. Like you see the people climbing buildings. And they've always just been that like, yeah, I'm not, not afraid of heights. There's like that one thing in their brain that they just don't, just doesn't click. Like the yeah. threat of danger. And that could also play into it. It's just like maybe some minds are just pre-wired to like take a more cautious approach. I actually saw that you're scared of heights as well. Or maybe I'm guessing this because I watched your the video. Ryan video. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, I'm scared of heights as well. And yeah. I, I would not want to go next there to was, the windows. There was a lot we cut out from that video. Wait, what did you cut out? A lot. Just in the sense of the height oh. of it and i'm terrified of heights wait like, what was the video so it was the most expensive listing in new york and the building was like 1150 something or 1137 feet in the air jeez and there's all these glass windows like floor to ceiling windows and you could just like and, and there's a bit of a ledge so it's like floor ledge mm. window so you could stand on the ledge and like peer over and just straight down 
That's so, scary. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. <clears throat> but I'm like, just I get so antsy. I get antsy. So, you know, there's a point there where I was trying to take a thumbnail. So standing on the ledge. Um, An epic thumbnail. Facing, yeah, thank you. Uh, facing <laughs> the window. And then Alex took a picture of me from like behind. But I was like standing there looking straight down. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Freaking just, out. Yeah. Do you think spooky? So I only know this information from watching Selling Sunset. But would a two hundred fifty million dollar listing ever actually sell? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, they gotta sell it. It's so they're not gonna keep it empty forever. You don't think they'd sell it for like two hundred, one fifty? Maybe. I think it depends on the offer mm -hmm. and what else you're selling in the building. Usually, when developers have that, they have uh, they have to maintain a certain price per square foot yeah. or certain comp, uh, and so they don't want to sell below that point because then it devalues everything else. Like you'll see, there's True. a lot of new constructions where. Uh, she wants like, to say hi to you so bad. Oh, I don't know why. Hey. For those of you guys who are listening to audio, um, yeah. Shark, our cat, absolutely loves oh. Graham right now. <laughs> and this is so, really? so unique. I, yeah. lo I love cats. Oh, my God. She that's adorable. loves you. Wow. That's hilarious. Very much a, a cat person. Because I, I kind of get that they don't want to be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if I could just give them a little attention and then just, like, stop paying attention, it drives them nuts. That's what Tiffany still <laughs> has yet to learn. Really. I just grab Shark and hold her oh, down and cuddle her. Macy, Macy's the same way, and I'm very much just like, okay, I'll, get, I'll give him a little attention and then stop. So how do you go from being on Selling Sunset... He was at the Oppenheim group, right? Yeah, you were the, the Oppenheim first. Group. Yeah. But where I was going with it is you obviously enjoy making content, right? Because you're focused so much on content opposed to real estate. Yeah. Was that shift in focusing more on content because you enjoyed it more? You saw more of a financial opportunity? Were you burnt out with real estate? Um, no, I, I, I really enjoyed real estate. Um, the year that I began doing YouTube was the best year I had in real estate. I think that was 2018 was like my... Either 2018 or 2019 was like my top year producing as an agent. Um, I loved making content. Like for me, that was so much fun because it was different. But I didn't want to do it full time because I was so nervous because I've seen so many creators just like overnight disappear or like the algorithm changed and like they were without a job. So I never wanted to take a risk and like do YouTube full time and give up real estate because real estate's one of those things where when you build it up, it's really easy to maintain because like mm. you got the momentum, the clients keep referring you business. When you, when you stop for like a year, it's it takes you like three years to get back into it. So I never wanted to give up YouTube, even though uh, I think 2019 was the year YouTube made it was a million dollars. So I made way more oh, doing wow. YouTube than I did real estate. Like way more by like double, I think. Uh, and even then I was like, I don't want to do it because like this could disappear any moment. But then it was really 2020 when co when COVID happened uh, in March. Uh, like a lot of real estate shut down. Like no one was, was showing properties. Uh, no one was allowed to do open houses in LA. Like everything shut down. So I thought, well, this is a pretty good time. Let me at least do this for a little bit. And pretty quickly, I realized that, like, I'm just going to do this. I loved it. Mm -hmm. So that was really the catalyst to doing it full time. So you haven't done a real estate deal or do you have clients still yeah, reaching out to you? I do. Um, I have a really good network with the Oppenheim group. So if someone reaches out to me, I will make sure they're taken care of. Um, I'm usually not involved uh, unless they need me to be. But for the most part, I could refer it out to other people at the Oppenheim group. And they do just as good of a job. Not as good as Graham Stefan, though. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Listen, between me and Jason Oppenheim, like Jason will do way better than I could. So I'll give him the credit for that. <laughs>
But yeah, a lot of the listings, um, not a lot of the listings, but there's been a few listings that Jason has now that were procured by um, by me from years ago, mm. and he's taking care of it, and he's doing a really good job. So I need every now and then he'll just text me updates like, "Hey, we got an offer on this. I'll keep you posted." And so it's cool. That's nice. Do you get like a kickback? Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure. No, I wasn't the, sure if you were just like being you know nice what? and giving but them. But honestly, it depends on the deal. There okay. have been several where I'm like, dude, just take it. Like, I don't want anything from. Yeah. Like, I'm just so happy for the opportunity um, that he gave me to be able to work there. So it's just like. I'm not going to ask for anything, but it depends on the deal. Like certain yeah. deals, I'm like, yeah, this would be kind of nice. <laughs> but even if he says no, like I'm not going to be offended yeah. by any means. It wouldn't change anything. I mean, so what do you think of the housing market right now? Because I know you have a bunch of properties, at yeah. least in LA and in Vegas. What's the outlook looking like for you? Uh, right now, I'm just, I'm sitting on cash. Like I really want to buy something, mm -hmm. but I don't see it as a good opportunity right now. As far as real estate? Yeah, I want to buy a commercial building. Oh, because um, I'm I'm in residential, and I think it's good to be in. But I really like the aspect of like a business renting there and signing like a ten to twenty year lease, triple net. Like yeah. they take care of the building, but it's I, I want to wait to see what happens with uh, with yields right now because a lot of the buildings right now in Vegas are selling at like let's say a four and a half to five and a half percent return, and I'm thinking to myself, well, it doesn't make sense to buy because I'm getting 5% of my money right now in like treasuries risk-free with no work. So why would I take on the risk to buy a building at five and a half percent? Like they're, they're, and after tax, it's like, it's the same thing. So there's no difference. Um, so I think yields have to go up, which means prices have to go down for that to make sense. And so even if I could get something at like an 8% return, uh, the cost of me borrowing money is like, would be probably like five and a half, okay. 5.8%. And then, like, the spread between that is, like, it's not enough after tax for it to really be worth it. So I'm just waiting. I think prices have to keep going down. So are you set on doing it in Vegas, or are you still open to businesses in L.A.? No, I'm out of L.A. I, yeah. I, do I, you still have your duplex in L.A.? I do. Yeah. With your I drove by tenant? it. Yeah. Is I drove, it it's, it's nearby fine. here, right? Really close to here. Yeah, oh, I drove nice. by it coming here, and I was sending <laughs> Macy pictures because the whole area is different. So it's yes. like it's in West Adams. Okay. And there's a, oh, that's like, really close to here. Yeah, so when you go on Adams uh, Adams Boulevard, they uh, they put, like, the center median now in the middle of the street. Mm -hmm. They made it so nice. And as, as I was driving down Crenshaw, like all the buildings that I used to see there are now torn down and they're building these huge, like five-story yes. brand new buildings. It's so nice. Apparently, Skim's headquarters is coming into this neighborhood. Um, Costco is actually coming into this neighborhood. So it's only, oh, I'm only- Are they at the Baldwin Plaza? Um, no, it's going to be where Obama Boulevard meets La Cienega. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, super close. So I was just saying it, because this area is pretty much I, up and coming. Yeah, I love it. If, if I were living here, I would I would consider. Yeah. I just hate it's so, so much, hard. So yeah. much about LA. You know? That's because mm -hmm. you moved out, I saw, in what, 2020? Like 2020. during the, was it the pandemic and all yeah, that? Yeah, September that, of 2020, I closed on the house, which is like weird timing because in February of 2020, I closed on the house in West LA that mm. I thought like, ah, this is going to be like right before the pandemic. And then a few months later, it's like, well, now I want to move to Vegas. <laughs> but I locked in such a low interest yeah. rate then. It was like 2.8%. Wow. And so, like, I, I can't give that up. So that's there. Uh, and then we ended up moving. But, you know, it is what it is. How many properties do you have now? I think six. Oh, wow. Six right That's now. more than I thought. Yeah. Uh, it used to be 
eight. I lose Did you sell it at a good time? Uh, two of them I sold. One was at a great time. I priced it on the high end of what I thought I could get. Yeah. And I got multiples over wow. asking. That one was perfect. The second one I wanted to list at the same time, and we had an issue with that, um, and couldn't end up listing it until I think six or seven months later. Was it something you just had a fix inside the house, or why was there an issue? Long story. Both both a, a fix and uh, you know another issue, unfortunately. So we had to wait and listed that um, six months later. We listed it on like really re- like realistically what we thought we could get. No offers in the first two weeks dropped the price, got an offer, slightly below ask. Mm. But, I mean, it was a fair price, I thought, but not as high as I could have gotten six months prior, just because interest rates were going up. Yeah, I mean, I have a property. No one's bit yet. But next time you're in town, if it hasn't sold you, I would absolutely love to show you. Why do you think it's not sold? Because I... I did a uh, reaction video to it. I haven't posted it yet. Wait, really? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. The, uh, I'll tell alpha. you. Yeah, so I'll tell you what I thought, and you could tell me if I'm right okay. or wrong. I thought you spent too much money on it and made it way too nice for you because I look at all the finishes in the house and I thought, like, no developer would do this. Like, if you were someone who did 50 homes, I'm looking yeah. in, I'm like, this is so nice. Like, the, the front door that you did, I'm like, that that's such a nice feature if you were to live there. Mm-hmm. And the windows, I thought, like, those are so nice. But when you see developers building homes, they're all about, like, what's the best ROI? Like, every yeah. decision they make, there's, like, a door. Can I get a cheaper door that gets me a higher return? Or can I spend a more expensive door that gets me lower, but it makes the house sell faster? Like, yeah. all, like imagine doing that for every single item in the house, like, even down to your toilet. Like, the toilet, they'll think, well, I buy a $200 toilet and I'll sell it for $350. Yeah. Or a $300 toilet, I sell it for $375. Well, it makes sense to go for the cheaper toilet. So they do that with everything. Yeah. Your home I thought was too nice. <sighs> well, okay. So there are actually comps in the neighborhood that are similar. Um, a house in the neighborhood actually went for 1.8. It's just got an offer for 2.2. It's currently pending. But the, the issue that we ran into was the fact that when we were originally building the house, we were never planning on actually completely, um, what's it called? Gutting. Just gutting everything. But unfortunately, the hoarder that lived there previously, he had rats. And the rats, their piss soaked into the wood. So we just had mm-hmm. to gut everything. So Ooh. to get our money back by rebuilding everything, we had to go with like the nicer finishes and appliances and a little bit nicer everything so that we can potentially make more money on it in the back end. Wow. So I couldn't, we couldn't just go with basic cookie cutter because at that point we were so deep in, there was no way to get our money back. But the, the market, the market a, looked so good. Yeah. A year ago. It's changed a lot. It changed so much. So right now, just to put it into perspective, I think it's housing prices here need to drop by 35% for the monthly payments to be the same today as they were two years ago. It's wild. So that's why like a lot of the times, like I think for, for my property, the value would have to drop by 50 something percent for my monthly payment to be the exact same as I'm paying currently. Yeah. Just in ter- just because it got such a low interest rate, like taking from 2.8 to 5.8%, like that's huge. So the payment would be substantially higher. So like for me, as long as you plan on keeping it, like it doesn't make sense. Um, but that's really the big change. Is, yeah. and, and you're in a price point where like a lot of people are, are working uh, it's probably a dual income household and they're like really affected by that. And from what I've noticed, it seems like 
under like two range, people generally stretch up. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you get the one point fives that are like, I love this house enough to be able to like work harder and I'll pay like two. Let's just yeah. say. But once you go above two and a half to three, then it's people, you know, going down. Like you know, oh, I was gonna buy this uh, three and a half million dollar house, but I'll settle for two point eight. I'll get yeah. a good deal on it. So it's just like a different demographic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that price range that we're at for the house, which is at 1.8, is definitely difficult, I've realized. But um, funny enough, I did actually work with a developer. So he pretty much... Well, he's also the developer of this house, which is how you got connected with him. Mm -hmm. Cool. And uh, good job. He does an incredible job. Well, it's funny that you brought that up because when I met him, he, he is very much so an artist in the sense of he takes so much pride in the design of the houses. And I think Tiffany was maybe a little apprehensive about that part of it, but it's again, what makes her love his work in general is all the detail. It's all the design, but obviously that comes at a cost. I (laughs) love it. Literally. When I saw your house to me, it's perfect. Really? really, When you walked in or? uh, Both this place and the one that I saw online. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Everything about it I thought was Flawless. Even that little like cubby space that you had in like yeah, the wall. Yeah, so like cute. I really, really, really like it. And, and this is my style too. Like when I walked in here, like this is what I would consider to be like a 10 out of 10. Like wow. I'm not a fan of the Vegas archi- architecture of like the modern. I yeah. prefer like a 1920s Spanish. I think there's something really cool about that's that. That's very similar. Plus since really you like, like yeah. hung around West Adams, that's where yeah. a lot of Spanish style homes are as well. So that makes a lot of sense. You love the style. I love it. So I just uh, hate cookie cutter. I can't stand it. Yeah. What's your break even on that? Um, Can you say? I'll tell you. Well, how about you tell you could tell me and just like bleep it out of this. I would be like. But the thing is, since I'm working with a developer, my stake in it doesn't change. So I'm actually making no matter what happens. Really? Yeah. It, it's a what a considered a construction loan. So we actually went in on it together. Wow. Yeah. And this is actually I texted you about it. I don't know if you remember a few years ago. It's okay. Um, I asked you about like if this was a smart move or not. What did I say? Uh, I, I think you said you should go for it. I'm pretty. I sure. hope I did because now that's a smarter move. Yeah. Because at least you're not taking on a hundred percent of the risk with mm-hmm. this. So like that. In hindsight, you made the better decision yes. between the two. I think last year, I probably would have made the short end of the stick. Now I'm like, wow, I'm like really happy that I made sure that I just got a, like I got the same amount no matter what happened. Yeah, it, it sucks because I feel like you have such a nice home, but you're up against rising interest rates and they're like, they continue to rise. So it's almost like, do you want to just cut the cord sooner than later? Yeah. Um, before interest rates rise again, I think it's like March 22nd going up again probably by another quarter percent but every time they do that they what's going to happen i think is that they're going to the sentiment right now is that inflation's not going away as fast as they expect basically consumer prices went up in january spending went up in january eggs went up like fourfold like yeah well the biggest cost i believe was i think it was energy i think energy prices really went up substantially um yeah we got hit with those utility bills yeah you know what's crazy so uh (laughs) in vegas my my Monthly utility bill was about 200 and something dollars a month for electricity. For that massive house? It was really cheap, right? That's so cheap. Yeah, but it's a brand new construction. Like everything is energy efficient. Um, nothing really changes. And I've noticed it going up from like 250, 350, 450. Wow. And I'm thinking like, okay, someone's running the ACE. Like it's not, it, there's no AC or anything, but I'm like, someone's leaving something on. Like what would change? And yeah. I'm thinking maybe we're getting a little too complacent, like keeping the heater on or something like that. 
like nothing's changed. Just the cost has gone up. So right now the bill went from like two fifty to almost five hundred dollars a month. It's like four eighty a month. Uh, and nothing has changed. Like I'm like dialed in on this. I'm like, where is it coming from? Nothing. Just the cost went the cost. up. <clears throat> they actually emailed. They warned people that the prices were going to dramatically increase. Yeah. I actually have purposely not looked at January's heating bill. Um, I should probably look at it today. Later. Yeah, let's should. give it a look. Yeah. Should I do it now? I'm kind of scared. <laughs> Maybe. I yeah. Just, just give it a quick look. But anyway, the, the sentiment right now is that, um, most likely the Fed is going to give guidance like hey, it's not going away as fast as we expect. Uh, we'll, we might have to raise rates more than we expect. And mm -hmm. like as soon as they issue that sort of guidance, the mortgage rates price in like immediately like, OK, they're going to be higher than expected. Bump it up a little bit. We'll see what what actually ends up happening. But right now, the sentiment. Well, I guess before all of this was that the Fed's going to pause after the, like the next one or two rate hikes. And then maybe like start reducing it at the end of the year. And I think everyone's just like got it wrong because inflation lasts way longer than expected. It's worse. And I think the same thing is probably going to happen with mortgage rates. It's going to be longer and probably a little yeah, bit worse. But yeah. I mean, that's what it, they said about COVID. Remember, it was only two weeks. Oh, yeah. Staying at I home. I remember that, the two weeks. <laughs> no, it's, it's been two years. Yeah. It was I think two that, years. That's a time in all of our lives we'll never forget. forget. That initial period of when everything shut down. And it was so new and weird and uncomfortable. And yeah. we were sanitizing all the grocery bags. Oh, yeah. There, yeah, Tiffany and I took home. a trip to Colorado. I What was it, like a year into the pandemic? And yes. we wiped down like everything in the hotel room and we're being so like ridiculous about it. You didn't know. It was like you didn't so know that you didn't need and to like, do that. Yeah. So I mean, I think people knew what it. they knew now today, what was back then. Probably would have been a bit different. But like at the same time, you don't know. I mean, yeah. it could have gone either way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, China now just reopened and all their cases went from zero to like thousands. Oh, yeah. But they really prevented all of us from doing our jobs on, on the West Coast because everything was shut down forever in China. But yeah, I mean, I feel like it's always nice to see you and we'll definitely have to have you on again and see you. And Or just come to Vegas. Seriously, we should, just, it's yeah. such an easy trip. I have a buddy who runs a bunch of some of the a uh, bunch of the resorts and the marketing in Red Rocks. Red Rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So we've been we haven't gone a little bit, but usually we go out like once, twice a year. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we should definitely do all, it. Yeah, go in like spring because right now it's really cold. Go in like April, May, June. I love it over there. Once you get past all the casinos and stuff, because I always wondered how do people actually live in Vegas, but. It is it is a really great place to live. I didn't realize how beautiful it was as well. I'll show you guys. Yeah, we should just make a trip. It. It's yeah. such an easy and fly JSX. It's like it, it's going to be so easy. Everyone's been talking about JSX. Just, just try it. Just okay. do that to Vegas, and they fly out all the time. I think there's like five flights a day. Wow, nice. Do Let's it. do it. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. yeah. Thanks for coming by. Thank we'll you so much. I really appreciate course. it, guys. If you guys haven't yet, go check out Graham Stefan. Um, he has four incredible channels, or three now. Three, three, three now. Yeah. Um, I'll link them all down below. Cool. But Ice Coffee you. Hour is one of my favorites. So. Thank you. That's yeah, what we're off to right now. All right. See you guys. Bye, guys. Bye.